not a second Put down your phone, welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno-drome With Shredder and Spencer, but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in, then do it for the win The sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy show, it's cameras action do The feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses Lentil, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show it's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack should do. All right, Feckamaniacs, this is the Cameras Action Doom Podcast Network, and this is episode five of the Feckin' Check-In. I'm Trainer. With me, as always, is my co-host, Toomey, and today with us is a very special guest. He is an actor, comedian, screenwriter, podcaster, radio presenter, not too bad of a singer, and also the OTT wrestling color commentator. It's Tony Kelly. Welcome to the show, Tony. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, thanks very much for having me, lads. Quite the intro. It took you about 15 minutes to do it. That's my fault. I apologize for that. Um, I'm doing all right, though. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, if you didn't have any, so many strings to your bow and so, so many fingers and so many pies, uh, maybe it wouldn't have taken as long. But that, did I miss that's my point, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably, yeah, probably. Um, did you even say wrestling commentator? I don't know. I, I said OTT commentator at the end. All right, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, professional dickhead or professional asshole might be a... <laughs> Okay. Might be way to do that. So uh, just to introduce the, the listeners to Tony, uh, the, the place me and Toomey would have first discovered Tony is in OTT Wrestling. So um, I'm a, quite a big wrestling fan. Toomey's more of a casual fan, but I've dragged Toomey to a good few OTT shows over the last couple of years. And uh, Tony is the color commentator and often does a segment in the ring at the start. Uh, and he's a heel, so he's a villain. Uh, and often gets booed vociferously by the crowd, uh, yeah. specifically getting abuse about not wearing any socks. That's one of the main uh, issues with with. <laughs> the character well that's annoying when people don't wear socks so. it is it is uh, can I ask you a question just to let the listener know are you wearing any socks at the moment Tom <laughs> no I'm not wearing any pants at the moment though so that's something different as well okay fair enough so you're keeping in character for this uh, podcast anyway. yeah well no I'm, I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt I suppose it's a nice day today so fair enough Good same stuff. as myself yeah I, I'm not wearing loafers though without socks so don't worry Okay, Grant. Yeah, well, that would be a bit much indoors, I reckon. Yeah, um, probably. Well, okay, so just to give a brief intro, um, so I've been just catching up on some of your work. Obviously, the intro there that I, I mentioned, all the different things you're involved in, there's quite a lot of different facets to um, your professional life at the moment. So you've sure. got a podcast yourself, Me Head is Wrecked, and um, that's uh, to do with mental health issues. So you interview people um, about their mental health issues and how they overcame them. Uh, you mm. also did a, an intro episode yourself where you discuss your own journey with mental health and yeah. the various... Uh, obstacles you've had to overcome in your own life um as well as that you also have a podcast called uh, busy tonight which was originally a radio program which is now available on spotify as a podcast and that's where you play a taxi driver and you all all of the different customers in the back of the car are the kind of different characters each week um you're also the lead in a film called writing home uh, you have a radio show on WLR, that's in Waterford. You're, you're obviously a stand-up comedian, although probably not doing any shows at the moment, but that's, you yeah. know, that's where your background is. Um, yeah. And you uh, have, actually, I've, I've, I was listening to your comedy album there. You have a comedy album on Spotify called P.S. I Hate You. Um, you also did a web series called The Hurler. And as I said, you're the color commentator in OTT Wrestling. Yeah, that's a, a brief summary of my entire life there. Thank you. Uh, no worries at all. <laughs> yeah. this, this is your life. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just wanted to ask you before we go ahead. So of all those things I read out, which of those do you feel is the most, uh, like which, which of those are you most passionate about? Or, or do you share passions across acting and comedy? Yeah, I think, I think it's a shared passion, to be honest with you. And what's, I think what's kind of, what I'm lucky in so much that I have so many fingers and so many pies is that if I'm sick of something or if something is not treating me the way, like a lover that's treating me badly, uh, I have this, the other ones to turn to. 
Um, so if if I if I have a if I've had a bad stand up gig or something like that, I'll know I'll have a wrestling show the week after. And if if wrestling is not a a good place for me right now, uh, I know that I'm doing an acting job uh, in a week's time or something like that. So, um, I think I share. I think it depends on my own mood. I don't I don't think I'm less passionate about one and more passionate about the other, or I or I wouldn't be doing it or pursuing it. I get you. Okay, good stuff. And um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. So the recently launched podcast, uh, Busy Tonight, which I said obviously... Well, no, started- that's not... I wouldn't call it a podcast. It was a 10-part ten, ten comedy series that I wrote in conjunction with the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Yes, But it's, okay. I've just released it kind of via podcast so people can catch up with it if they didn't catch it last year when it originally aired. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, that was originally aired on WLR, is that correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah, and you mentioned the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, so there's a little blurb at the end of each show that mentions that it was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, or the TV licence helps to fund the show. Um, yeah. I was wondering, how does one go about applying for that type of funding? Is that something the that most you to- ar- The most arduous, frustrating process I've ever gone through in my life, and the reason why there's not a busy tonight season two. So, a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy surrounding that. Red tape wouldn't cover it. It was the it was uh, the WLR. I agreed. I agreed to do the show. They approached me with the the guy whose show it it was it was aired on is a friend of mine called Ray Coakley. He's a fantastic uh, club DJ for many years and is now a DJ on WLR and head of music. And he approached me one night in Waterford and said, "You know, I have this idea about a, I'd love to have a comedy show within my show." I was like, "Okay, well, what is it?" He said, "I don't know. I just think it's something in a taxi would be funny." And literally, that's what it was. <laughs> And I went to, I uh, spent a lot of time in America. I went to America for three months. I was hosting this, um, what do you call it? Like a Broadway theater competition on Broadway. I was the MC. Yeah. I was going over to do that. And I knew I was going to spend about three months over there as well uh, between New York and LA. And I ended up writing the series when I was over there because it needed to be in for the BAI deadline. And th- the deal was the WLR would apply for everything. They do all the paperwork and take that out of my hands so it wouldn't be frustrating. And that was the biggest lie I was ever told. <laughs> so... I, uh, I ended up writing, originally it was, write a pilot, we'll send it to BAI, they'll approve it, and then you can, you can give outlines of the other episodes, the nine other episodes, and that'll be it. And then they emailed me two weeks, or maybe, maybe it wasn't even two weeks before the deadline, saying, oh, by the way, you know we, we said it was an outline, you have to actually write the ten episodes, yeah. and tell, it, tell us who's going to be in them all. And basically, just like it was, a, it was a whole unbelievable heap of work, not, not knowing whether you'd get funded or not. Yeah, and then and then the funding came, and it became all my responsibility to do all. That. It was just honestly, it was the most horrendous headache I've ever had in my life, genuinely. Okay, well, I mean, I think at least the end result is probably something you're quite proud of. Um, I listened through the entire series, and uh, there's some very very witty episodes in there. Specifically, the first one actually about moving the couch. Uh, I thought yeah. it was hilarious, <laughs> and uh, I know you you're, you've said to me that that was an autobiographical uh, yeah. inspired by real events. Uh, but, very, a lot of it was. A lot of it was. A lot of the 10 episodes were. Some of them were stuff I just plucked out of my head. But like, wouldn't it be funny if this happened when you were in a taxi? Yeah. Uh, I also interviewed a real taxi driver for some inspiration to find out that anything could... Like, I would say, like, did that never happen with women in the back of your car? Did that never happen with a couple in the back of your car? And he would tell me little bits and I kind of dragged pieces from different stories. And yeah, it was fun. It was a fun experience. It was nice to be able to do something different as well. Very good. And another one I quite enjoyed, I don't want to give away spoilers, but there's an episode about uh, a taxi customer who, rather than paying in cash, likes to barter. So he gives yeah. uh, he gives various different things in exchange for the taxi journey. I quite enjoyed that one, I have to say. You see, I, so, I sold cars for, um, for a living for like five years from when I was 18 to 23 before I went off to film school. And uh, there's a lot of those kind of people who I've met along the way as well. So you kind of, you put a little bit of what you know into everything, I think. Yeah, so like a melting pot of all your experiences over the years has kind of manifested itself in this uh, this series. Yeah, especially in in Waterford, from where I'm from, it's very it's very because it was aired on Waterford Radio. It's it's very Waterford based, but I think it you know I think you know it it lends itself to everything. I think very good. And then uh, something else I, I I noticed I was listening to a podcast you did, uh, Green Rebel podcast. Uh, you think you did oh, yeah. that a, a couple of years ago, and you mentioned that uh, at one point you had an interview scheduled for to be a member of the WWE writing team. That was something yeah. I did not know about before, and was quite interested in. <laughs> yeah, I um I first encountered that in 2013. I have a friend who used to write for for WWE, and therefore. I've gotten to know some some of those people through her. She's a very very good Jen Jen Bloodsworth. I don't think she might mention mention her name. Okay. Uh, she's a very very good friend of mine. Um, 
as a, through the comedy scene in New York, which is where I uh, broke into comedy and, and kind of uh, cut my teeth in comedy was in the New York scene. So I know Jen through that. And um, we just kind of, we knew each other first, I think. I mean, I could be getting this wrong. But anyway, either way, I found out you wrote for WWE. And obviously, you know, that's always been a passion of mine. And um, I ended up out for dinner one night with her, Brian Gewertz, Ed Kosky, and a couple of the writers. Right, okay. And, uh, and, and they basically turned to me and said, you know, we hear you want to write for us. What are we doing wrong? Right. And, um, and not, not, you know, not getting into too much detail or anything like that. I, I, I actually pitched them something that they used on the show a couple of weeks later. And are you at liberty um, to discuss that, or is it better? I, w- I wouldn't. Do, uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't do it in uh, in a public forum. Fair I, enough. Uh, okay. It's, it's some, but it, it ended up being something that I think people. It, now, look, the grand idea that they used was unbelievable, and definitely a step further, or a couple of steps further than what I suggested. Okay. But it is quite a memorable moment. Uh, I basically told. I, I, my, my, my belief was that Twitter was. A, it, this is 2013, so it was. It's, it's still a long time ago. Uh, particularly with how fast society moves nowadays or before the plague came anyway. And I, I, I thought that maybe, you know, that Twitter was blurring the line between realism and what was going on on screen. And I thought maybe they should utilize that a bit more because I think any, anyone sees something happen on Twitter, they think it's real. Mm. So I thought that maybe that was something they could utilize and they, they ended up doing that with a, with a certain storyline that they used. So fast forward, I, I, I was a bit annoyed, to be honest with you, that they'd use my idea without me getting anything from it and yeah. kind of contacted Jen and said, you know, well, you know, they've just, you know, that was basically my idea. And she goes, yeah, you know, I think that's a good thing. I and think I, well, that, not re- you know, so, not really. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go on. Go, I think go that qualifies uh, the WWE writing team as the two-faced fake snakes of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could give you a couple of them. Don't forget I work in wrestling. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, and then I, I think it was 2016, it all started kind of snowballing then that, um, uh, I was asked to send an official application in and my CV, my writing CV at the time, which, which is significantly bolstered since then, I can tell you. Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they liked the idea that I was coming from comedy and that I was a wrestling fan and I'd been, in, I'd been involved in wrestling here at the time as well. And, uh, yeah, I ended up doing a phone interview and wasn't quick enough off the mark. I didn't realize that uh, because I had moved home and didn't still have my American visa at the time, that they wouldn't sponsor a writer to come, that they'd only sponsor performers. And if I'd known that information, I could have bluffed my way into doing my own visa. Yeah. Um, but the, the idea was that they would fly me up. They, they had told me to kind of prepare for the job and had a, have an apartment picked out and stuff like that. Right. And I did that. And then when I spoke to the lady from HR, they were like, look, we need you to come over here and meet with certain uh, higher-ups in the company and I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. She's like, look, we'll pay for your flight. There's no problem. But let me ask you, why, why are you not still living here? I would, I would have thought it would have been more beneficial for you to be in New York than, than in Ireland. I was like, oh, my visa expired. She was like, we're not getting you a visa. And the whole, the whole job just fell apart from there. And it was just really, to me, like if I, I could have blagged it and I could have sorted my own visa through the job offer. Now, knowing that now, that's fine. But to be honest with you, the amount of stuff that's happened to me since 2016 that I'm proud of and, and, and that was that were amazing experiences wouldn't have happened if I'd just gone right for WWE back then. Fair enough, yeah. I, it's, I mean, like, th- those are the things, you know, like, the decisions you make in life will affect the rest of your life, but when you look back retrospectively, sometimes you think, well, if I had taken that, then I wouldn't have done this, this, and this. You yeah. may not have been in that film, uh, Writing Home, and, and I wouldn't other have projects. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have been. And I, like, pretty much, like, look at everything I've done since then, OTT, Writing Home, movie I've just done, and series for Netflix that I just did, like, all, literally anything I've done in the last four years wouldn't have happened because yeah. I would have been in Stanford, you know? Very good. One other wrestling-related thing I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned this when you did stand-up comedy, I think it was part of the fifth-year anniversary show for OTT, they did a, a comedy yeah. night in Wheelands. You mentioned that you, at one point, applied to be trained as a wrestler by Lance Storm. Um, <laughs> so a, a lot of kind of false starts on things that may have taken your life in completely different directions had they gone ahead, yeah. but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, I was the first trainee actually ever enrolled in Lance's school. That's a little footnote. And what, what prevented that from happening again? Because I can't remember the details specifically. Um, without getting too deep into it, two things. Uh, first was a football injury. I torn ligaments in both my ankles a couple of weeks beforehand, uh, which has always been a bane of my um, footballing adventures, my, my ankle ligaments. Okay. And uh, the second was um, I was in a, a very bad relationship at the time, despite being so young. And um, 
I was kind of emotionally blackmailed into not going at the time, even though I was kind of injured. I could have, you know, that was, that was basically it. And, uh, it, it, yeah. And then I, I, I went to go back again in 2010 or 11 and it just, it just never seemed to line up. Fair enough. going on in my life. Okay. Well, the road not taken. So I think at this point we will move into the main body of the show. So this is the FEC and check-in, and we use the acronym FEC, F-E-C-K, to discuss various different points to do with funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. So I'm going to ask Toomey to start. So Toomey, can you give us your funny observation of the week, please? I can indeed. I'll uh, step out of the shadows of your your nice conversation there. Um, And my funny observation of the week is to do with spiders. Um, so for years, my fiance Liz has been instructing me uh, to kill spiders. Um, it's kind of it's my job when there's a spider; she gets very scared, and I go in <laughs> and I kill the spider. But over time, it evolved into me not killing the spiders anymore. I guess I became more kind of aware of animal rights or insect rights, okay. <laughs> and uh, I I just drifted into not killing them anymore, so I drifted into putting them in the glass and getting the beer mat and then putting them outside the window, but I had a distressing uh, morning the, on, I think it must have been Tuesday, uh, we live in a second-story second, second story apartment, um, so there was a big spider in the room, and the, as a normal procedure, it was for me to get rid of the spider, <clears throat> so I put it in the glass, and I put it, I let it outside the window at two stories. It all happened very fast. And then I thought to myself, I've killed a spider. It's, it's two stories up. It's going to have died by that drop. Okay. Um, so this, this uh, led me to investigate uh, what heights spiders can actually survive from and other insects. So I've done a bit of research, which I'm just going to share with you uh, <laughs> on this, <laughs> all provoked by my panic about the spider dying. So uh, a human, first of all, can die from or a human dies from four stories height in an apartment building. So that's, what's that's a story what, roughly out of interest? Uh, it's about three meters. Okay. So, so a human would, would die after uh, 12 meters. That's four stories. Um, and then a cat. So, so the, the general rule, sorry, I should just say is the lighter you are, the more chance you have of surviving because you kind of have air drag as you're falling and you, the speed at which you fall doesn't accelerate so the, the, the heavier you are, the, the uh, more... What is, what is that easy phrase I'm looking for? The bigger they are, the... the harder they fall. harder they fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that simple phrase. How do you learn how to fall? <laughs> how does he learn how to fall like that? Anyway, uh, cat... Off 25, a 20-foot ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great reference there. Uh, cat, 25 stories, 80 meters. Cats, Jesus, cats are doing well. That's doing really well because they, they kind of spread themselves out when they're, they're falling down, apparently. There's been studies on cats to, to see when, why were they all surviving from such falls and they well, injure themselves. Well, they have nine lives as well, so that might come into it at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's handy. Uh, so cats, 25 stories, 80 meters. Then you go up to the mouse. Uh, would you like to get, wager a guess at the mouse? I don't have the stories here, in, uh, but I have it in meters. Okay, go on, Tony. What's your guess about a mouse? How far can a mouse fall? I have not. My mind is just blown at this funny observation. It's like a, it's like a lecture that I've attended. <laughs> this is like the worst stand-up comedy gig of all time. <laughs> funny peculiar is how I. I, I don't know. Maybe a, a mouse. Oh God. Uh, I don't know. Twenty meters. Twenty I'd meters. Ho- I'd say hundred. How, how meters high is that? But the cat was 80 metres, Tommy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I must have switched off there during that funny story. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, 100 metres then. One, I'll say the same. Good guess. 200 metres, though. So, yeah, we're wow. moving up there. And then if you go to ants and spiders and insects, you can actually drop an ant from the top of the Empire State Building and it will survive. 380 metres, ants, spiders and insects. So there you well, go, there's my funny... Well, what's funny there is you literally ruined the punchline. I've been saving up this whole time, but I was going to ask what happens if you throw a mouse off the Empire State Building. Uh, beat him to the punch. All right, so, you, so you, didn't, you didn't kill the spider anyways, the end, the end result there. Yeah, so basically this long process of research led me to the conclusion that the, the spider definitely survived. So in future then, what, you, what you're saying is that if any of our significant others or our mothers or our sisters ask us to kill a spider and we'd rather be more humane, just throw it out the window. Yeah, you can be in any apartment block, really, and, and throw out the spider. That's a good, great fine. lesson. And if you want to throw your significant other out the window, if you do it from three stories, they're going to survive. No comment. <laughs> no comment on that either, no way. And Tony, what's your uh, funny observation of the week? 
Well, this first of all, this is the first podcast that's asked me to do homework, so that's definitely unique. I was up last night sweating, going, "Oh my god, I didn't do my homework for the podcast. I have to do it right now." <laughs> that's that's how we roll here, unfortunately. Exactly. On the yeah. So, so now I knew how the leaving cert students felt up until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how funny it is, but it's definitely an observation that I've been making for a while, and it is to do with podcasts, um, oh, and it's okay. something that's actually really bothered me, which seems to be a kind of a theme through my life that I just comment on things that bother me. Um, like, okay, so another way, like if you have a podcast, I don't do it because I have sense, but like people who have podcasts and called and refer to them lovingly as pods. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, disgusting. Pod, yeah. The, the pod will drop next week, right? That's grand. But first of all, should it not be cast? Because technically podcasts were little broadcasts that were made to listen on your iPod. So, Using the shortening, shortening of it by calling it a pod is actually shortening iPod, not is, which is the device, not the thing that it actually goes on. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say to you. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like shortening it to pod doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like I'm listening to this cast on my pod would make more sense. People don't even think about what they're doesn't saying. Make sense. Yeah, or why they're shortening it to that. But I, I had forgotten actually that podcast came from the idea of an audio show on an iPod. I completely. Yeah, I used. I remember years ago, like I was, I was still selling cars. That's how long ago it was. And I remember I used to go to the gym after work and listen to Russell Brand's podcast, which was just his radio show as a podcast on my iPod, which was like, obviously seems so old now. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I remember the first time I heard this, oh, listen to my pod. I was like, what? Listen, to, like, how am I supposed to listen to your iPod? It doesn't make any sense. I'd have to have that in my possession. <laughs> now that context really clarifies the, your confusion there, that you're on an iPod and they're asking you to listen to a pod. Listen be. to their pod? No, I have my own one. I don't want to listen to it. And, and to be honest with you, this is only about last year I heard somebody referring to their podcast as their pod. So, yeah. and I, is podcast that much of a long word that we need an acronym? I don't think so. No, it's just, it's just this kind of stuff that creeps in. People want to shorten down everything, don't they? It's, it's too much to say to the full word nowadays. People have to shorten it But hey, listen, down. yeah, shorten it down if you want, but don't call it a pod, call it a cast. That's all I'm saying. Very good point. Very good point. Thank you. Right, good stuff there. So moving on to entertainment. Toomey, what do you have in the uh, realm of entertainment this week? Uh, well, it's not a lecture on entertainment. Good. It's, it's uh, a weird documentary I've come across this week on Netflix. It's called 60 Days In. It's a reality show about prisoners, fake prisoners, sorry, who go undercover and go into a real prison and have to survive 60 days in there. In a, in a really hip <laughs> of an American prison. It's the weirdest reality TV show I've ever seen. And there's people, their, their lives are being threatened in there. And the producers are like, yeah, we, we really need to think about pulling them out. And, and like, they're literally being threatened about being uh, raped and murdered. Like, uh, have you ever come across that yourselves? This 60 days in. I have heard of this, all right. I haven't watched any of it. But uh, my, my first thought when I hear about these type of reality shows is, uh, to use a wrestling term, where they're kayfabing us a bit. Like, is, is, is there some kind of uh, subterfuge going on here where the, the prisoner is actually fairly well protected? Because in reality, that surely could not exist. The first thing I think of when I hear of those things is the, the scene in Alan Partridge where he's desperately trying to pitch TV shows yeah. the head of the BBC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and every single one of them is a pun about something. A monkey tennis. <laughs> So, so what it is, they have, they have the prisoners and the uh, correctional officers told that they're filming a reality TV show about first-time inmates. So nobody in the prison knows, apart from the undercover inmates that go in. So they put six of them in, um, but they have this code word if things are getting, if they feel like they're going to be attacked. Um, and that's, uh, I'd really like some hot coffee. <laughs> oh God. In the middle of being assaulted. Yeah. Now that's something that should be short, not the word podcast. How long is it going to take that to get you out of your mouth? Yeah. I'd like some hot coffee and you're shanked by the time hot comes out of your mouth. Yeah. One guy was assaulted. The undercover guy who went in was just so kind of dorky uh, that he stood out and he started giving other inmates his trays and he started being really nice to them. And, and that's not what you want to be doing in prison. And this guy just came out of nowhere, like an RKO out of nowhere, and hit him in the back of the head while he was uh, sitting at lunch. And he, he had to go out. That was him gone from the show. So it was high-stakes stuff. like Mental. Yeah. It, seems, it seems ridiculous. And it seems like it, I can't fathom how that was given the green light. Surely people's safety and protection has to be paramount with these things. Or when they have to shout that they want some hot coffee if they're getting like, brutally beaten. <laughs> 
There's five series of it now. Well, it seems like that's what I'm going to be watching tonight. Cheesy. You won't see anything like it. I, I tell you that much. It's Did you enjoy it to me? Is it a good, is it an enjoyable watch or is it like, can, I, I, I wouldn't be able to separate myself from the fact that I think that maybe it's, it's kind of bullshit if I was watching something like that. Like, similar to like Catfish. Anytime I'm watching yeah. Catfish, I'm like, mm. why are these people agreeing to go on television when they've been a horrendous person and they yeah. are deliberately being filmed in their house now as, you know, I, I, I always think that they're trying to, pull the wool over our eyes with shows like that. I think, I think the thing about it though is that they're in so much danger and any could, like the guards aren't in the same room with them as a lot of the time. So things, e- even if it is in some way uh, contrived, they are still, in a, the stakes are very high. Like they're, So that, that kind of adds a, a different uh, layer of re- realism to it that makes me believe in it anyway. Fair um, enough. Still real to you, brother. <laughs> uh, so Tony, do you have an entertainment point for this week? Yeah, I wasn't really sure what um, the kind of um, angle we were coming at it from was, but I definitely do like um, something that I love that I wanted to talk about my guiltiest pleasure in entertainment. Oh, very good. You're speaking about catfish and stuff like that. I kind of used to watch that a couple now, a good few years ago, and then I kind of went, this can't be real. It's too, you know, it's too convenient to so many of these people out there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, my guiltiest pleasure that I'm now watching season 12 of is RuPaul's Drag Race. Ah, yes. Oh. <laughs> For me, it is the most entertaining, not like, I suppose you call it, I don't watch reality TV, I never have. But to me, if all reality TV was RuPaul's Drag Race, then it would be a wonderful place to be. Well, I do think it falls into entertainment, or sorry, into reality TV, probably in a broader scheme. But Catfish and, and RuPaul's Drag Race is something I used to watch with my ex. So I will, I will use the excuse that I was watching out of circumstance rather than enjoyment. But I don't know if that's going to wash with people. Well, that's what happened to me. My, um, my girlfriend at the time uh, was like, you know, she was, she was a dancer and she was coming back from tour and she was telling me that, you know, all, all, we're all watching this. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. She's going to make me do this. And I swear to God, I just fell in love with it straight away. This is a couple of years ago now, a good few years ago. And I watch it religiously now. It's so funny. It's like, and people won't know this either, but I often throw in RuPaul's Drag Race references on commentary for OTT because the idea of that being dropped during a quote-unquote <laughs> manly uh, sport like <laughs> wrestling always pops me in my own head which is um which is what needs to happen but no it's it's so funny it honestly i just i love it and what's so funny about it as well is i'm always on about it on my instagram the whole time which is at it's tony kelly by the way but i'm i'm always like on about it on my instagram when i'm watching it and stuff and the amount of uh, females who reply to going i can't believe you watch this and the amount of males who are so insecure in their own selves i can't believe you watched that it's just like yeah yeah. You know, I think it says everything about kind of the differences between both of us. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I've watched a good bit of it and it is quite funny. And uh, RuPaul is a very charismatic presenter, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's like a lot of kind of excitement and there's some twists and turns and there's a lot of kind of really, really snappy one-liners and kind of yeah. sarcastic comedy involved in it. But that's the thing about it is that like... Um, it's so it's funny because like a lot of them are, are comics that they have on as the guests uh the the queens themselves are so like creative the, the outfits they put together they're they're snappy remarks and i have a really really one of my closest friends uh, i said to him the other day like cause he's actually one of the funniest guys i know um and he just so happens to be gay but i said like who would have thought that in 2020 or maybe it was 2019 at the time that gays and um drag stars would have the best banter in the world but it just goes to show like how society has progressed and that, that like regular joes are watching a show like that and there's no big deal made about it anymore really that's nah, great man honestly it's great honestly it is it's fantastic because like for someone like me who went to i obviously lived in new york for years in the comedy scene and you know um my roommate is who i live there is like a brother to me and he was like the first out gay person that i knew to be honest with you in my early 20s in new york and he like i'm not i'm not i'm straight but like to, to learn about that world and to see it and to kind of understand coming from a small place in ireland and not seeing a lot of that and to learn about it that way for me it's great to see like how how we've progressed in in, in short amount of time to be honest with you not to yeah. get too deep not to get too deep about it but that's no, kind of no, definitely definitely and I, I find sometimes i know you're a big fan of the office but i find sometimes when oh, i watch yeah. things like the office which was out in 2000 um the gay jokes and things like that haven't dated very well. I mean, I know, like, I don't think Ricky Gervais is a homophobe or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. But, but the fact that people are making gay jokes, which they were doing in 2000, let's be honest, but 
I, I find sometimes that those type of jokes when I'm re-watching something like The Office they don't date very well and it does kind of date mm. the show it, it dates it in the way that Faulty Terrors is kind of dated by a few racist well, comments yeah well to be honest with you like that's 20 years ago I'd, I'd, I'd say go watch The Hangover or go watch something from 2012 maybe even and watch how dated it is you know right. like, that's, like The Office is 20 years old you gotta give it that slack but like I'm talking about something that's 10 maybe even eight years old and that's a lot of that stuff wouldn't be wouldn't be allowed to be made today yeah fair point yeah um i, I never liked the hangover personally myself i didn't, I didn't yeah i don't know why that came into my head but that's for some reason that's what popped in yeah no i, I remember though i remember when it came out and everyone was raving about it and i went to see it in the cinema and i was like this isn't that funny see that that's what your problem was i think i i remember seeing it again i was i was in college in new york when it came out and there was no talk about it no real hype uh, it was out on a friday night and me and my girlfriend at the time went to see it and it was just mind-blowing because like it was just a sleeper hit and then all of a sudden it obviously became this global sensation that's, right. that's a really interesting point about the the rate of progress around lgbtq um communities um increasing re- in recent years so maybe like what, what you might be saying then is in the last five years we've even seen a massive increase so say 2015 ish I think so, and it, it's, I don't think it's any any secret. It, it's because the Marriage Equality Act was passed yeah, in, 20, in 2015. So I think you know that really, really made great strides because of that. Probably the five year anniversary just came up there recently. Actually, That's I saw right, it on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. great well, stuff. It's unusual to have a reality TV show for twelve seasons, isn't it? That must, it shows how. Well, to be honest with you, like, and not to keep harping on about wrestling either, but Drag Race is wrestling. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and Drag Race <laughs> and wrestling. And wrestling and stand-up comedy. The, the businesses of drag wrestling and, and comedy are so tightly wound around each other that um, it's only they are, It's only what you see on the surface that's different between the three businesses. Yeah, yeah. But yeah very good point. And, and do you know what else is professional wrestling? Darts is fucking wrestling these days as well. Darts. <laughs> yeah. I've, hosted, I've hosted a dart. I've hosted a professional darts event, and it was the. It was honestly the craziest night of my life. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd get arrested if I told you some of the stories that happened. Uh, Ted, Ted, Ted Hankey in particular um, should have been arrested, actually, probably. Arrested for um, telling stories, that, things no, you were well, involved in? or I wasn't involved in, no, I wasn't involved in. But like, one of the things that, ha- the whole night was, uh, the idea was that there were six professional dart players that came here to Waterford we had in the WIT arena, which is where OTT was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's a huge arena, it's a, and it was a massive, like a TV production, basically. It was a huge production. Right. And um, six professional dart players, six amateur dart players from the ranks who like are trying to be professionals. And the idea was it was amateur versus professional in the tournament, and the winner would get a massive uh, Water for Crystal-sponsored trophy. It was beautiful. And um, I think it was Wes Newton was the first one to be beaten by an amateur. And Ted Hankey was up in the players' dressing room because I, dug, I was emceeing and I ducked up to kind of prep for the next match mm. and Ted Hankey was already drunk. The rider these guys get with alcohol is worse than any rock star. I've never seen anything like it in my life. One of them, and I won't name it, is a very, very famous dart player who was, who was in a world championship final, didn't win, but was in a world championship final, will not go on the stage to throw a dart without drinking at least one bottle of Jack Daniels raw. Jesus Christ. That's what we were, man. yeah. What we were told by the promoter was that a lot of these guys cannot throw darts without being drunk. There's a Louis Thoreau documentary in this, right? There it is. But but anyway, when I went up, uh, I think it was Wes Newton. I could be getting that wrong, but I think it was Wes Newton had lost to one of the amateurs. It was clear that some of them had come to win the tournament, and some of them came for the money. They didn't care. But Ted Hankey was up drunk as a skunk. I've never seen anything like how drunk he was because when he came in, he was quite gentlemanly, even though you could tell he was a little bit rough around the edges, so to speak. Yeah. But he was quite gentlemanly. Uh, he arrived in his dart shirt, which I thought was quite the the, the, the worker thing to do, like the, the, carny, the carny thing to do. And um, he was introducing himself to me. And then all of a sudden, when I went up, all the buttons in the dart shirt were, were basically open because he was so drunk. And, you know, like it, the, the progressiveness of the drunkness came from each button that opened on the dart shirt kind of thing. Jesus, yeah. And, but he was going, I love Wes. I love him. But he's just lost to a fucking amateur. And he's made us all look like a fucking crowd of clowns. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And next he was like, yeah, you've just been beaten by a fucking amateur. And I was like, right, okay, Grant. So Hanky's up next. Hanky lost 5 0 to the amateur. Jesus Christ. Wow. So then he got so drunk, drowning in his sorrows, that apparently he was out in the lobby of the arena with the, the punters, uh, to, with the promoter's girlfriend, crying. <laughs> <laughs> 
going, I've just lost my dad. I've been diagnosed with diabetes and I've just been beaten by a fucking amateur. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, then he proceeded to engage in some illegal activities. Then he shifted a woman in front of everybody and then had to be piled into a taxi and driven back to the hotel. Oh, oh, but he's a superstar in his own arena. He, no, he's not. He's a fallen superstar. He's, he used to be one of the bigger guys. Now he's with the BDO tour. All right, okay. But, uh, What's that like? Was, second division darts? Pretty much, yeah. It's the one that's on BBC. Uh, they call him the count. He's like a heel in darts, to be honest with you. <laughs> he, royal, he royals up the crowd and flips them off and all that kind of stuff. But then he good. lost 5-0 to an amateur after complaining about the other guy. It was honestly one of the maddest nights I've ever been a part of, it. but it was, it was honestly hilarious. It, it must be one of the only sports that still allows drinking to that level. Like, I mean, I, I know snooker used to allow it back a long time ago, and there's, well, there's tales of people having like 20, 30 cans. There's one famous snooker player, actually. His name escapes me now. He like, used to have like 50 pints or something during a match. But uh, like that—that's all gone by the way. So Alex nowadays. Higgins, probably. It wasn't Alex Higgins. It was some other guy. Um, it's that old guy, um, Griffiths. Terry. No, it wasn't. That wasn't Terry Griffiths. Jesus Christ! <laughs> just, sorry to offend you. I didn't know you were <laughs> Terry Griffiths uh, fan there. But. Well, I, you know what? I don't watch any sport at all. But I used to enjoy snooker when I was younger. <laughs> Terry Griffiths was like a fucking. It wasn't Jimmy White? Was it? He was in. in uh, to, well, to well, Jimmy, I think Jimmy had his, his issues. All right, yeah. Okay, good stuff there about entertainment. So moving on now. This is the halfway point of the show, and we are going to play the song of the week. So as Tony is our guest, Tony, can you select a song of the week, please? If you ask me to pick a song of the week, it will always be. Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Don't run back inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for. So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore. Sure, a little faith is magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright. Oh, and that's Excellent stuff there. It's a classic of its genre, uh, Thunder Road, a great song from, from about 30 odd years ago. And Tony, do you have a personal connection with that song or is there a reason why you would always select that song? Do you know what it is? Is that right? I, I used to work with a guy when I was a car salesman who was 10 years almost exactly older than me and he used to always go on about how Springsteen was the best. And I was late teens, early 20s and I just, I just didn't get it. Just mm. didn't get it. And it's when I got to be his age that he was telling me that stuff. 
I started listening to Springsteen more and more and then I finally got it. It's like, I think you have to kind of be through, go through some stuff and maybe it's coming from a small town and wanting to get out like always, like I always have. Maybe it's that and I think other than the taking the girlfriend with you apart, um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much my story, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and Thunder Road, uh, not, not to mention that it's an absolutely banging tune just in particular. But um, that story is my story, so it's always just spoke to me since I since I really started listening to Springsteen. Very good, yeah. It's a great song, and yeah, from from researching your work before this uh, podcast, it seems to be quite an autobiographical song. Well, not autobiographical, sorry, but it links to your own story. Biographical, yeah. Biographical, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. But I also I used the the final line in a in a wrestling promo before, which was interesting. Remind me about what the final line is there. You, you won't, uh, the, the last line is, uh, it's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so we did a, a Phoenix wrestling show. Uh, I probably would have used that line, to be honest with you, had OTT gone ahead last month in the WIT arena. Yeah. But um, we did a, a Phoenix wrestling show in Waterford. We did two, actually. And I managed Michael May. Oh, uh, yeah. Michael May. Wrestler, yeah. young wrestler in Phoenix. And um, Michael was main eventing against a, a Waterford wrestler. Uh, Rocky Mac was okay. in OTT, uh, but it wasn't actually no, it wasn't the Rocky show. It was the one we did before, but another Irish wrestler, uh, Dan O'Burns, is a good buddy of mine. But uh, anyway, uh, the idea was that I was hosting the show out of character as me for being from Waterford, and um, when it came to Michael, I turned on the crowd and um, talked about how all my greatest successes came from getting out of Waterford and all this kind of. No, I love Waterford. Obviously, I'm a huge advocate of. Yeah, the Asia. Yeah. but uh, it actually kind of pained me to do it but uh, uh, you know I was talking about how uh, you know I've been to New York and I spend most of my time in Dublin and Waterford is this and it's that and uh, I'll just use the, the famous Bruce Springsteen line this is a town full of losers and I pulled out of here to win and it just was we almost got killed excellent good stuff there That's true. old school heel heat there coming to the fore there you go <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, moving on now, we're going to move on to the culture part of the show. So, Toomey, can you give us your culture point for the week, please? Yes, yeah, kind of. I think we use the, the word culture a bit loosely here, so I'm just going to shoehorn it into this. Uh, so, it's the culture of home workouts. Uh, I don't know if you've, the two of you have gotten involved in these with the, the plague. Actually, situation. I think, Tony, you were yeah. saying just before we, we started recording that you were doing a bit of this yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh, what I've noticed is that all of the videos, myself and uh, my fiance Liz do them together, and all the videos, the, the instructors in the videos are always really, really good looking. They're usually female, sometimes male, but they're whatever gender they are, they're really good looking, they're perfectly chiseled. And mm. there's a part of me that finds that really disheartening because I'm there, I've done it maybe 10 or 11 times in a row, like each morning, and gotten a run of it, but I don't look like them at all. And it's just like, I feel like they're almost looking down on me. So what I would like is an average Joe kind of uh, doing uh, workouts like that. So it, yeah, It's the I, idea, though, that I'm not supposed to be that you're just supposed to aspire to be this person, like the body coach or whoever else. You're so, supposed to aspire to... I, I, I have my own take on that, actually, okay. if you don't mind me butting in. Yeah, I, I, do, I do agree with what you're saying, that it is the idea to aspire to it, but what it really is is look how great I am. Yes. Look how attractive I am. Have you seen my body? Do you want to bang me? Don't, yeah. slide, in, don't slide into my DMs. <laughs> look, at, look at how great I look. Don't I, oh look at that's all. It's all. It's ego and vanity. That's all it is. I last August decided to get into a different shape than I was in. I cut sugar out. I um I went back to the gym doing the doing a similar program I'd already been doing, but just like with the cut in, in, included, and I, I ended up losing nearly three stone that I didn't know that I had to lose. Right. Um, and to be honest with you, like I'm quite self-conscious, which is probably not evident. But um, and I I would never like I'd be afraid to post a, a picture of myself from the gym, and I got into some great shape. And I think it's because I know deep down that it's it's not. Oh, look what you can achieve! It's look what I've achieved. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I can see what you mean there. Um, yeah, and they, they, it almost feels like they're gods or something on the on the screen, and you're you're on the mat. You're almost bowing down to them. Why aren't there more uh, average Joe workouts? I, I think there'd be a market for it. Or, or why aren't people being employed to do that? Again, it's a it's an aesthetic thing, and it's it's um it's an aesthetic thing from the major companies or whatever that are doing it, I suppose, look, out, look, this is a really good looking person because that's what we put on TV other than Ireland where Ryan Tubbery can have a job and, <laughs> and Brendan O'Connor um, oh and all those. But um, no, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just, you know, the TV industry and all that and is a beauty, is a beauty industry, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but the, the Instagram generation, I suppose, is, 
it, there's nobody telling me that these fitness people are going, um, oh, I can really help people with my workout. No, mm. unless you're a, unless you're a certified personal trainer, of course. You know what I mean? That that's your job. Yeah. Then that's fine. But the the the, the amateur people are going look this. Oh, but for oh, <laughs> my favorite one is a lot of people have been asking me what workout I've been doing. No, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot they of haven't. Fictitious people that I created in my own brain. Have yeah, been. a lot of people. I, I, w- I wish a lot of people had been asking me. But since you haven't, look how good I look. And this is how I did it. That's all Very it is. All Do you know? Is. On the point, actually, the only workout instructional video that I've ever done was the DDP yoga. Um, Fantastic. That's D- great Diamond one, yeah. Dallas Page is, is no oil painting himself, and he certainly isn't chiseled like a Greek god. That's it, exactly, yeah. So I never found that from him. I felt he genuinely yeah. wanted me to improve my fitness, and he genuinely Agreed. wanted me to, uh, to, to get better and to, to loosen up and to just generally be able to do a bit of yoga. Diamond Dallas Page, he, he didn't show off his body or anything. He wore normal clothes. So, yeah. yeah, he wasn't topless like the body coach. Now, in fairness, he didn't have a, a body probably like the body coach but at the same time yeah it was more I, I felt that was more genuine uh, DDP yeah. was in his 50s when he made that though and I can guarantee he was in better shape than most people were oh, definitely, and, yeah. and he, had a, he had a baggy sleeveless t-shirt on if, even if it was sleeveless actually and just a pair of baggy shorts not um, under armour tights yeah and to- it's man I could rant all day about this I really <laughs> provocative one and uh, Tony do you have a point about culture for this week please it was, yeah I, that, this is one of the ones I was kind of struggling about because again I think I can get quite ranty in, in a lot of the stuff if I, oh, if I go here. on because Rant away. <laughs> Rant um, away. Well, to be honest with you, it was something that struck me, and it's. Um, I know this is not a wrestling podcast, but um, I don't know if you seen if you saw um, Sesha Martina her mm. tweet that she put up yesterday. I did yeah. see that yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that was ridiculous um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mar- Sesha Martina, for people who don't know, is a massive breakout star of OTT wrestling, and she signed with Ring of Honor in 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 the US, a, a major company in the US. She's a huge star in her own right now, and a good friend of mine for years. And the reason I'm in OTT, actually, she, she um, anyway, but that's a, that's a long story. Okay. But uh, Martina put out a, a tweet yesterday about, um, she's always been happy to interact with fans, and but people have gotten her, her personal number and are sending her unsolicited pictures of her penis and, and, and sexual things like that. Mm. And, and I, hope she, I hope she won't mind me bringing this up. I'm assuming she won't if she put it out in public, but it's not just her, but... Um, it's something that really, really, I actually got really angry about it, to be honest with you, because I've seen more and more of it and heard more and more about it the last couple of months. And it doesn't take having a girl's number to do this. This is what I, why I was kind of, I was knew I was getting to this is why I was leading in with the sliding into the DMs thing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> because look, it's a 21st century. If you fancy someone, it's kind of a thing, hi, how are you doing? If you don't get a response with, to a hi, how are you doing? Then you leave it. Yes. You don't, you don't start sending pictures of yourself. You do not harass whether it's someone in the public eye or just a, a woman who you've met at a show or in the bar or something like that, um, your, your your general rule of thumb, and again, not to be too preachy, but the general rule of thumb should be, if I said hello to a woman in a pub or on the street and she didn't answer me, you wouldn't whip your dick out and show it to her. Very fucking good point. And yeah, I, I saw Martina's tweet and I saw your response to it, which was quite angry, but it was definitely warranted anger. And uh, it, it's this thing where Twitter creates this boundary or... Uh, social media creates a boundary or indeed being on the other end of a phone or the other end of a WhatsApp creates this boundary where the other person on the other side just thinks they're invincible for some reason. And they do all sorts of things they would never do in real life. It's stuff I've learned about over the last couple of months that obviously through personal things that I won't get into on a, on a, on a public podcast, but I couldn't believe some of the stuff that I've heard that goes on. And it's quite sickening me to my stomach, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and again, I don't I, whether if it's a wrestling show, the, the general rule of thumb should be if you wouldn't walk up to a woman who's at a show or in a show and say it to their face or do it to their face, then you certainly shouldn't be doing it through Twitter or, or Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Um, no. And outside of wrestling, you can use comedy shows, you can use soccer matches, you can use the street, a coffee shop, a pub. Um, have some fucking boundaries and... Mm have some fucking respect because it's it's absolutely sickening yeah. the, 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 the sleaziness of what's going on out there at the moment. It's absolutely sickening. And to be honest with you, um, it's, it's something that's made me question a lot of um, the industries that I'm involved in and a lot of the, the people who are involved or support those industries. And just have some fucking respect. I'm sorry, but just have some yeah. respect. No, you're very uh, completely valid points there. Definitely. Uh, Timmy, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I just think in the position of, of Martina or other people it's happened to, like what, how would you, would you want to continue on after that, like being in the public light or would you, would you want to close down your Twitter? But this doesn't just happen to well-known people, this is my point, this just happens okay. to females. Yeah, yeah, okay, you're right, yeah. And as I said to you, like, listen, we're all, like, there's single people out there, the, the way you meet people nowadays can be digitally, I'm not saying don't ever message a woman, because God knows I have messaged women. But, if, but I'm so embarrassed if I don't get a response from somebody, they go, oh my God, what have I done? But yeah. I don't understand these people who won't look at a woman in the face, but yet when they go home, want to send a picture of their dick. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. This it's, is my point. Yeah. It's disgusting, actually, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it is the, the internet allows the uh, an, anonymity, um, and they hide behind that those fake aliases and stuff. And it's just... It's, one of the worst things about the internet is that it facilitates this, or and, and in the absence of kind of international policing of that, it's... Yeah, it's, now you have it. And I've had people say things about me online um, that I know for a fact look away if I pass them. And the, the biggest shame of it all is that Martina is a lovely person. Not that I know her personally, I might add. Just, I've gone up to her a couple of shows and asked her for a picture. And unlike a lot of wrestlers and people involved in wrestling, she didn't charge me a tenner for the picture or anything mm. like that. She graciously took a photo with me, did a pose. And then I went on my way and I was delighted as a wrestling yep. fan to have got a picture with her. And she's very open and she's very uh, engaging. And she is like just sociable basically and, yeah, and of course unfortunately for her some people seem to have taken advantage of her kind and sociable nature and taken it like just taken it to the extreme somehow got our personal number and did it as well like which is just like so over the line and i don't want to make this all about martina i'm just using her as the example yeah mm. it's it's just like i just don't understand what you think you're trying to achieve with any of this i don't get it i i think it's really important that that men speak out about this as well so i think it's yeah. it's great that you you brought it up very good points there all right so moving on now to the final part of the feck and check-in this is a kernel of truth or a kernel of wisdom so to me can you share with us your kernel of truth for this week please yeah i don't want to get too uh, luxury again so i started the show in lecture mode and i might end the show in lecture mode uh but well stop, stop in fairness, I go too far. you have been a professional lecturer in the past so it's not too far yeah. to jump true true i don't disclose that i leave some mystery around that but um i was just reading a psychology study uh this week and it was about people who wrap their self-worth up in being financially secure so people whose happiness is dependent on being rich. So there was just a study of these, and th these are all correlational findings. So it's just a tendency of groups of people in general uh, to be like this. But they said that richer people have worse social relationships. So the reason financially focused people have worse relationships is because, first of all, they have less time because they're focusing so much on their work. They work long hours. Um, they're more likely to dedicate their weekends to work. Um, and that leads to less time and effort being put into to social relationships. And then the other thing that, that I found is more interesting, really, is that financially focused people, they, they have less autonomy and control over their, their week or what they can do with their time because they feel that their, their, their well-being is so tied to being... Uh, more financially secure, that they feel like they don't have control over their free time, that they have to dedicate that time to work. So if it's ever a 50-50, if you get an email at five to five, they're staying there. They feel they have to, and they feel if they don't do that, then they're a bad person and they're, they're not doing well in life. So, so it gives them less control in their life. So it's less time and then less control over what you do with the time. And that really affects your social relationships and personal relationships. Excuse me. Sorry, I was talking a lot there. So that's it. Do you know what? <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of a line from a popular song from years ago, who's the artist of which I can't remember, but it's uh, Work to Live, Don't Live to Work. Do you, does anyone remember who that was? Work to Live. Uh, no, I am, I, am, I, I am definitely aware of the lyric, though. But that's honestly, that was actually very, uh, a very good point, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, I find people who everything they base, everything they do on around money to be exhaustive, to be honest. Hmm. It can really interfere with, with uh, their worldview because if, if they prioritize uh, finances all the time, then they're, they're going to make choices that, that take them towards that path all the time. And, and that's there you go. relationships are going to suffer. There you go. Yeah, well, look, mm. we, we'll say, I'll say no more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. So to finish up the show for this week, Tony, can you give us your kernel of truth or kernel of wisdom to finish up the feckin' check in episode five, please? I, I have two, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Because I couldn't, yeah. I, couldn't re- I couldn't really choose because there's one that I'll always pass along and someday I'll take on the advice myself. And the other, right. uh, the other is something that I actually just came across this week. So the first one that I kind of always am preaching but can never seem to learn properly um, it's something that I learned through recovery because as you mentioned my own podcast earlier on and what I've been through so I'm, I'm in recovery six and a half years clean and sober yeah. um, and one of, the, one of the things that I learned in there was um, it's none of my business what other people think of me and I, I think it's the best advice it's the best advice you can get if I sometimes can listen to it and sometimes I'm, I, I, I just can't get out of my own head and I care way too much what people think of me but like I remember being in a meeting and talking about, oh, you know, this person was saying this and, you know, I, I, I just, that's not true and I can't, I can't believe this. And maybe it wasn't even me that was saying it, but, you know, like someone come up and said, you know, it's none of your business what other people say about you or think about you. Hmm. And yeah. it's just such an unbelievably brilliant advice that I just wish I could constantly take on board. You know, so if I'm having a good day or if I'm doing well, I can absolutely go, well, that's, you know, that's fine. But... If, if I'm at all in my own head or, or not having a good day, then it really matters to me what other people think. And it, it shouldn't at all because, yeah. you know, and it's, it's very hippy dippy, but really happiness comes from within, not from somebody else. And yeah, definitely. You know, and that, that springs from that then. Like if, if, if somebody you want to like you thinks you're a dickhead or is not or whatever, that's their opinion. That does. That's not you. That doesn't define you. And it, and at the end of the day, it's none of your business. And it's, 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 it's honestly the the thing I I I aspire most to in life is to live my life by that quote. It's great. I I've used that myself over the years, and I think there's something really powerful about the part. It's none of my business. There's just something freeing about that that you just you say to yourself. Yeah. Okay, well, I won't. I won't overanalyze what they think, and and maybe I have thoughts about them that I say behind their back, and maybe that doesn't reflect what my full understanding of them as a person so exactly i mean it works in your personal for me as as a, someone who's professionally in the public eye i suppose or whatever and um, it definitely rings true to me on on both levels you know yeah mm-hmm. um, and it's just something that honestly i i aspire to that's my kind of aspiration is just to get to that level where where what people think of me is none of my business and i know that every day when i wake up i think it's a it's a really positive rule as well it's just it's none of my business it's almost like saying i'm not going to go there because i know it's not good for me to go there then, now that's exact that's exactly it yeah yeah good uh, I, I go back to another point that's just quite similar it's it was in one of darren brown's books i think do you, do you know are you familiar with darren brown yeah 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 and he said something like um you wouldn't be so concerned about what other people think of you if you realized how little time they spend doing it. Um, and it, it just kind of represents how, yeah, they might have bad thoughts about you and they might think you're this, that, and the other, but it's probably only a small part of their life and they're a, another whole person as well as that. So forget about what they're doing and just focus on yourself. Exactly. And that, that's, that's definitely it. And um, the second one I have then, I actually only just saw the other day and it was also some really good advice and it's uh, hurt people, hurt people. Oh, okay. And I just loved it when I read it. Um, so simple. As, it? yeah. It's so simple and it's so true as well. And um, I think like a lot of what's going on at the moment is kind of making me reflect over the way I interact with people, the way I take people on, the way I, I probably give too much to too many people and wonder why everybody doesn't behave the exact same way I behave, you know, whether it's in friendships, relationships, family situations, whatever. Mm. Uh, and I always expect people to love or give the exact same way that I do that. And it's, that's a ridiculous expectation to have over humanity. But, um, and then, you know, you wonder why certain things happen. But I read that as a kind of a meme, I think, um, Mm. On, on, on Instagram the other day hurt people hurt people and I went my god that's it's so profound and it's four words it's brilliant and it can even you can apply it to your friendships and stuff if you if you end mm. up having a fight in a relationship it's sometimes it's because you're hurt about something else like something else is going on for you and it comes out or stuff you're bringing in from previous relationships previous friendships whatever or if it's mm. in a family situation it could be something that happened 10 years ago you know um, yeah. But we're all after been hurt in some respect, whether it's business, personal, family, relationship, friendship, whatever. And yeah. we're bringing that to the table, you know, yeah. uh, in, in everything that we do. And I think 
you know, everything we do is a reaction to something that's come before. So um, yeah. it's 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 something to I think t- bear in mind, uh, and uh, this is me advising myself as much as anybody else. But hmm. it's something to bear in mind um, to c- cut people some slack. I think, especially in this kind of this time. Yeah, excellent point. Okay, so that's actually going to do it for this week. We've gone through our feck and check in, and thank you very much, Tony, for agreeing to be our guest this week. It was a great discussion, I think, which covered so many different topics and such a broad range of issues and stuff discussed there. So we're very grateful that you agreed to come on the feck and check in. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me, and thanks for thanks. asking me. Okay, so before we leave, I'd like to give Tony the stage uh, to say any uh, social media links or anything like that he would like to promote. So is there any anything you'd like to promote there, Tony, before we head off? Um, not really, man. If anyone wants to find me, I'm at this is Tony Kelly on Twitter, which I don't really, I don't know, I'm there, but I, I have a love-hate relationship with it, I suppose. But uh, Instagram, I'm more active on. I'm at it's Tony Kelly on Instagram. My podcast is Me Head is Wrecked with Tony Kelly mental health podcast if you want to check that out otherwise I guess just if I don't know go, go down the Google rabbit hole you'll be able to find a bit of stuff very good stuff okay well that's going to do it for episode 5 of the feckin check in Toomey do you have any final words Eck off